0: 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning, we're going to be looking at our next text, Uh, but I understand and I realize that today is Palm Sunday, traditionally on our, our calendar. That's the day in which Jesus rode his donkey. It wasn't his donkey, it was a borrowed donkey. He rode it into Jerusalem and crowds of people lined the way. They were waving branches, and all the children were singing in triumph, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a monumental blindness that was occurring in that moment. It was a monumental triumphal blindness. There was so much excitement, but yet so much ignorance at the same time not really understanding what this Messiah was going to do. In fact, after they entered into the city, not much really happens according to Mark's gospel. They had entered really late in the day, and in Mark 11, 11, we hear these words, and he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with twelve. Kind of anticlimactic. There was really nothing that happened. The jubilant crowd disappeared. But five days later, that crowd that cheered the Messiah is going to be calling for His death. How could they be so blind to spiritual realities, to spiritual truth? Why couldn't they see who Jesus was? Probably a better question not to be, how does anyone see who Jesus for who He is? Our text this morning, yes, it is from 1 Corinthians, but in an amazing way, it answers the question of how spiritual sight occurs. And Paul is working his way towards addressing the question about how unity in the church is produced. And these both go hand in hand together. Paul is going to address the issue of divisiveness later in chapter 3, but before he, he gets there, he has to establish how critical the Holy Spirit is in mediating the mind of Christ, which is humility, which is riding a donkey into a city. And the eventual outcome of that journey into the city will be the cross, which is the monumental display of humility. A monumental display of wisdom. And the cross, in that moment, shows the world the wisdom of God as being antithetical, anti-pride, anti-anything that exalts anything other than the name of Jesus Christ. And so, We're coming to 1 Corinthians this morning. I understand we are in Palm Sunday, and we're preparing ourselves for Good Friday, but we have to understand how critically important it is to have the illuminating wisdom of the Holy Spirit to help us see spiritual truth. How could we ever be ready for Good Friday? How could we ever be ready for Easter Sunday? if we have not been illumined and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. It will just be a show. It will just be a crowd. It will just be something that disappears from this Sunday in Easter to the next Sunday in Easter when we return to it again. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, is concerned. It's, it's, he takes a surprising turn here, and I think we need to read the text because it wasn't a part of our Scripture reading this morning. But I want us to see 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, and read along with me in your Bibles. I'm going to go through the end of the chapter to verse 16. He says, Yet among the mature we impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God declared before the ages of our, of our glory. Excuse me, before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, And in this text, Paul takes a surprising turn. It's a surprising turn to an argument that he had started back in chapter 1, in verse 18, where he began to contrast two groups of people. In verse 18, he said, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so Paul is concerned that the church has adopted a wisdom that is of this present age. This present age has a wisdom, but that, that age and its wisdom are going to perish. They're going to, they're doomed, actually, in verse 6 of chapter 2, he says, they're doomed to pass away. And so he's concerned. Why are you adopting something that has got a limited lifespan? when you can have something that is going to last forever and ever and ever. And so Paul is telling us as believers it's, it's dangerous, it's even really possible for believers who embrace the cross to discard the cross for guidance in their daily lives in how to live out the Christian life. Don't embrace the wisdom that's in this world because it's antithetical to God. But embrace the wisdom that's inherent and found in the cross. Now, these last few Sundays may have seemed like a a digression from the main point of division, the main point that Paul is wanting us to hear and to understand. But he's he's telling us that the gospel is, And a misunderstanding, rather, a misunderstanding of the gospel has perpetuated a divisiveness. Divisiveness is a symptom of a cancer. And if you can't get to the cancer, if you you get to the cancer, that is, with a scalpel and you get down in, you're going to be much better off, especially if you're only dealing with surface issues. And it's, Paul is what he's doing. He's like a surgeon. He's, he's directing us to the root of the problem and getting us to understand that we, we don't understand the nature of the gospel if we're living out divisiveness. And God is, God is like a skilled surgeon, and he's using Paul here, and he's, he's wanting to cut into us to remove this. And in a way, this text is like a a progressive slicing to get to the root of our issues. What is that cancer? The cancer that is inherent within all of us is this desire that wants to make me, myself, and I feel empowered and important. It's us in the driver's seat, us as free agents, And the cancer is a contagion of this worldly wisdom and philosophy. What's the scalpel that that cuts through? What is it that breaks through? It's the cross. The cross cuts down deeply and says, look, any self promotion, any of that is, is, is a cancer and it's got to be removed. That's what the cross does, it's not pleasant it cuts through the layers of flesh to destroy this cancer but who is the good doctor that's that's bringing the cross into focus for us of slicing down below the layers you know there is a hand on the scalpel that goes down through the tissue well the good doctor who wields the scalpel is the holy spirit it's the holy spirit That wields the power of salvation, but also the power of the cross to destroy the cancer of pride. And it's this wisdom that comes emanating from a crucified Messiah that gets imparted to us through the Holy Spirit that destroys this root and contagion. And so Paul makes, he's arguing here that it's the Holy Spirit, in fact it's He says it's only the Holy Spirit that can teach us the wisdom of this cross. And so he gives three reasons in this text. Three reasons. First reason is found in chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. There is a dividing line between those who receive God's wisdom and those who do not. There's a dividing line between those who receive God's wisdom and those who do not. In verse 6, Paul begins to describe these Corinthians, these, these Christians, as being mature. He says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. He uses a very interesting analogy, and Paul is famous for mixing his analogies. But he's now talking to the Corinthians who are, because they're in Christ, they have everything they need, they're mature, they have the Holy Spirit within their lives, they should be able to hear the truths of the cross, and it should resonate within their hearts. There's some maturity there. And at the end of this chapter, the very last sentence in verse 16, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the maturity of Christ. We have wisdom. And so now he's saying, look, this wisdom that I have imparted to you and others who have come and preached this wisdom to you, we've given it to those who are mature. Paul's not setting up a separate category of believers here. He's saying that people who have maturity also have wisdom. So if you have wisdom, then you're mature. We're seeing degrees of maturity developing within our household. Growth in maturity is demonstrated in wisdom. In wisdom, is an evidence of maturity. You see, they go, they go hand in hand. This is what he is saying then, that if you are a Christian, you have wisdom. You have God's wisdom. It came to you. You heard it. It was accessible. It made sense to you. But if you don't have God's wisdom, what he's saying is that you're outside of Christ. You are not mature. You're outside. And those who are in Christ then are the mature ones. And the message of the cross is the fundamental difference between those who are outside of Christ and those who are inside of Christ. See, in verses 7 to 8, Paul is telling them that the people who were responsible for the death of the Messiah were outside of Christ. If they had been inside of Christ, they would not have put Jesus to death. They would have understood clearly what was happening. But because they were outside of Christ, they didn't have the spiritual wisdom and understanding of their own actions. So the, cre- the crowd that cheered the Messiah when he entered the city was the crowd that crucified him. They were unwittingly unaware of what they were doing because they had adopted the wisdom of this world. They wanted a Messiah that would advance themselves as a nation. They wanted power and prestige in the world. They wanted to be on top. They weren't looking for a Messiah who would be lowly. And so Paul is saying there is a dividing line between those who are outside of Christ, the unwise, and those who are inside of Christ who are the wise, the mature ones. And so when they heard it, They heard the secret wisdom in verse 7, for since in the wisdom of God, excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter, chapter 2, verse 7, for we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. In other words, salvation through a crucified Messiah was hidden from human eyes for a long time. And it was now revealed at this present moment for those who were now longer not perishing but are being saved, those who are in Christ. God deliberately chose to bless those who are foolish in the world's eyes, and the weak are are blessed, but then the, the wise people are rebuked and they're broken because of the cross. Now, Paul in verse 9 quotes a, another Old Testament text. It's a text that we often hear it maybe at a funeral. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him, coming, we believe, from Isaiah 64 verse 4, a text that pleads that God would come down and show His glory again. And so Paul is saying, look, you're able to see the glory of the cross because you have been given eyes to see. This is what's been prepared for you before the foundation of the earth. And you can see it, you can wrap your head around it because you are the wise. You are the ones for whom it was intended. It might strike us to as difficult to gather, but the the cross and all of its glory was intended to show us the majesty and beauty of God. And if we, the mature, have come to grasp the plan of God, it's because God has revealed it to us according to His Spirit. This is what He says at the, end of, at the beginning of verse 10. Okay, so, you know, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, If you've been given ears to hear and eyes to see, it's because in verse 10 it says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. You've been given spiritual eyes and spiritual ears from the Spirit of God, and therefore you got the cross. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. It's only the Holy Spirit which can reveal Wisdom to those who are being saved in verse 18 of chapter 1. These two sides. And so he's continuing a three part argument here why the Holy Spirit has got to be the the peace that creates this life within a soul, this light that is shining in darkness. And so in verse, the, the second half of verse 10, he picks up another part of the argument that there is really a significant difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. There's a significant difference there. Three times in this text, Paul is referring to the teaching, illuminating work of the Holy Spirit that gives us this wisdom from God. In verse 6, uh, I don't know if you caught these things as we were reading, but in verse 6, it says, we among the mature do impart impart wisdom. And then in verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. And then in verse 13, he says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. And he's saying that there is an outside teaching. There is a significant difference this is not something that a person just naturally apprehends. Some might say, "Well, why should outside help be necessary?" I mean, isn't knowledge knowledge? I mean, if God has shown himself to be who he is in real events and in real history, and why is he so then inaccessible to some people? Well, the answer to this question is the difference between knowing facts and knowing a person intimately. Paul is saying that to know God intimately is to know his wisdom, it's to know him personally. And the problem of knowing God is so complicated by the fact that we are so infested with the spirit of this age which highlights and glorifies self. Human wisdom is so bent on self-promotion that we so readily lean upon it that it doesn't give us any advantage in understanding the mind and heart of God. Our self-centeredness is so great, the chasm is so deep, that the possibility of knowing God does not belong to any of us. There's such a difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. How in the world does anyone know God? Well, the truth is only God can know God. And so the Spirit becomes the link between God and man. Verse 10, in the second half of verse 10, it says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of the person which is in him? So the Spirit is the link to God... And in verse 11, this link is established by argument that really you don't know… the only person who really knows them, a person is themselves. So, let me just put this in a, you know, an easier context maybe. It's kind of like the same way as no one really knows me except me, not even Abby. I mean, we've been married for almost 20 years, but even maybe even after 50 years she's not going to know me better than I know myself. And in the same way, Paul's arguing here that I am not going to know God in any conceivable way unless God enters into my heart by the Spirit of God and tells me about himself. Paul's argument is this, okay, Since you are mature in Christ, you've got the wisdom that comes from God, you you know about God, so stop, stop acting like the world who doesn't know God. Stop thinking like the world. Do you have the mind of Christ or don't you have the mind of Christ? Stop valuing what this world values, this world values This world values personality, influence, success. If you have the mind of Christ, it looks like the cross, which is shredded humanity. It's humility. And Paul is saying look, you've got what, what it takes for unity. You've got the Spirit who has taught you the humility of Christ. So in verse 13, he keeps going with this argument that the gift of the Holy Spirit is what has allowed them to understand these precious truths. Verse 13 says, and we impart this in words not taught by wisdom, human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit intending spiritual truths, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I have at times heard this verse used as a means of self-justification at times, in which it was used as a justification for one's own personal vision of spirituality or decision-making or direction, and it's… Was in in this kind of use of a text is out of context. Because when a person does that, they're saying that they are without they are without outside accountability. And that's not what this text is saying at all. Paul is saying. That the gospel is not about you and your self-promotion. It's everything about the glory of God and His promotion. We can never use these texts to be weapons to just do what we want. It's not what this is intended for. The implication is that if you don't, you know, you don't see what other people are seeing, that therefore maybe you don't have the spirit and therefore you shouldn't question. But that's not what this text is saying at all. This text is getting to the point that, that we have an understanding of the humility of Christ, not the arrogance of man. Humility shows us that we get the cross, that we get the Spirit, that we've been taught, that we do things that don't make sense according to this world, that we humble ourselves. It shows us that we get the cross, that we get God. And that is a true signal that we know and that we understand God. That humility, period. See, the humility of Christ can only be imparted except by the Holy Spirit as you look at the cross. And so he's saying there's a great difference between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. And it's taught to us by the Holy Spirit. In verse 14 to 16, he picks up the last leg of this argument which, which might feel a little bit negative, but it's the, it's the logical conclusion of this positive statement that if you get the, get the wisdom and the humility of God, so you know the cross. And now he's saying, now why is it that some people don't get the cross? And he's saying in verses 14 to 16, there's an inability to, quote, cross this dividing line without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to cross it. So, What Paul is saying in these texts, and we'll look at them in just a moment, is that, that if a person cannot get through this, it's that they're dead. There's no work of the Spirit that has regenerated them. There's no born again. And so verse 14, he gives two reasons why a person cannot merely weigh the evidence of the cross and the gospel and it be something that they reason themselves into. In verse 14, it says, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. A person does not already pre you know, prior have this wisdom so that they're able to understand the cross unless there's an illuminating work of the Holy Spirit they, rain, they, they keep in the realm of darkness why is it? well it's because they don't accept the things of the Spirit Paul says, they're folly to him, they're, the cross is sheer foolishness, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute, it doesn't make sense It's not that he doesn't understand the concepts, because even a child can understand the concepts. But without the Spirit, they're unable to grasp these spiritual truths that are behind them. The cross doesn't fit into a narrative where you are the hero of the story, because it destroys all of that. Now, how many of you like and do foolish things? If you really think something's foolish, how many of you say, I'm, yeah, I'll do, sign me up for that? I mean, you think about this. I, 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 I have an enjoyment for Star Wars. Some of you, when you hear Star Wars, you think that's stupid. And I wouldn't even go into a theater to watch that, let alone get it on DVD. I kind of look at Star Trek in the same viewpoint. Sorry. I'm dabbling with Dr. Who, and that's almost as bad. I just don't know if I can go there. (laughs) But the reality, this is what Paul is saying. Look, you don't do things that you find foolish. Why? Because they're foolish. And it's because you don't get it. And Paul is a little bit stronger. He says, you not only can't get it because you find it foolish, you're not able to get it because they're spiritually understood. They require spiritual eyes. The gift of the Spirit has to be imparted for you to receive it and to understand it. To be spiritual means that the Spirit enables you to see, just like a colorblind person not able to differentiate the colors of the rainbow. But when, 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 when the eyes are fixed, then you can see all of the hues of the rainbow, and it's so beautiful, and it's like, why didn't I see this before? But when the Holy Spirit enters the heart, and whew, the lights go on, everything is like, wow! I can actually see the cross, and it makes sense. And it teaches me to live a humble life. Oh, man, i got to make some changes. You see, we often look at this issue regarding sifting through evidence and making an informed choice on the matter is all that it takes. What Paul is saying here is that, no, 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 no. Because we are so steeped in our own self-worth, our own interest at self-preservation, the cross looks like a nonsensical component of Christianity. It's like an optional extra. People actually are embracing the wisdom of this world because they prefer it. They love it. A refusal to recognize just how lost we are requires a work of God in the hearts. The light has to go on. The Spirit has to convict. And in verse fifteen, excuse me, verse fourteen, the last word of the verse says that these things are spiritually spiritually discerned. That, that that it's spiritually discerned. That word discern has a a judgment sense. A spiritual person is able to assess it. They're able to actually work with it. And in verse 15, another text that is often taken out of context as an excuse for not allowing others' input into one's life to be considered, verse 15 says spiritual person judges all things, but is for himself to be judged by no one. A spiritual person is able to judge all things. That's essentially what he's saying. In other words, they, they get what God is doing. It's not a carte blanche excuse to do whatever they want, but rather it's along the lines of a person who has the Spirit will know how to apply the message for themselves. They won't have to have someone come alongside them and say, do it this way. How come you don't get the cross? Come on, kid. What are you doing? Paul is saying, look, you'll get the message of the cross. You'll get the humility of the cross because you have the spirit of the cross teaching you. The gospel is not something that makes you triumphal. It makes you humble. In other words, those who have the mind of Christ, in verse 16, he says, verse 16, he says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Well, no one has had that. Well, how do we, how do we know the mind of the Lord? The last phrase in verse 16, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit who is there able to teach us. See, God designed the cross to destroy all the triumphal, the self-promoting wisdom of this world. Reality is you can't do better than the creator of this earth. The mind of Christ is the mind of the cross. It's a mind that defies everything. It is humility. And that can only be understood through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Now Paul's arguing, he's now going to, chapter 3, we're not going to come to it till after Easter, but in chapter 3, he's now going to pick up this, this divisive thing again and say, now that you have a better understanding of the cross and what it's teaching you, apply it to your relationships here. But in this text, he's saying it is only the Holy Spirit who can teach us the wisdom of the cross. Because there's a dividing line between those who receive God's wisdom and those who do not. There's a significant difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. And there's an inability to cross this dividing line without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I kind of began this message this morning thinking about God and the Holy Spirit as a skilled surgeon who cuts in and removes a cancer. Is Paul correct on this? Isn't the human tendency to to make much of ourselves? That's a malignancy of this world. A strong preference for me, myself, and I makes me feel like I am God. God. And God will not tolerate other gods. You hang on to your self-worth and impressiveness and the cross will be inaccessible to you. And you will find that one day you don't know God at all. And one day you will find that you are in a Christless eternity without God. Because you've tried to make yourself God for your universe. This is God's universe. He's God. And the cross triumphs over all triumphalism. But that's something that only the Holy Spirit can teach you. Pray. Pray for humility. Pray for God to teach your heart and that you would have a tenderness... To understand the cross Do not resist the good doctor Who wields the scalpel Because that good doctor is the Holy Spirit